Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Happy New Year, everybody. Come on, we can do better than that. Happy New Year, everybody. Come on, I want you to do this. Come on, just look at your neighbor, slap him a high five and say, Happy New Year. Come on, it's going to be a great year for Canvas Church in 2017. Uh, it was a great year for us uh, as well, but I believe that God's got something incredible in store for this church, this community, for you personally. Turn your Bibles this morning, if you would, to the book of Mark. It's a New Testament book, um, second book of the New Testament. We're going to Mark chapter 4. We're going to pick up in about verse 33, going to read through that, try to get into some of Mark chapter 5. And, uh, you know, tonight a lot of us um, are going to be celebrating. Um, oh, hey, I guess all of the junior hires are dismissed to go to their class. Happy New Year, junior hires. Whoop, whoop. All the junior hires are pointing at me like, what is he doing? What is he doing? You get out of here is what you do. But a lot of us tonight, as we celebrate, you're going to be celebrating with friends, family, uh, whatever that looks like. You're going to be getting together. And uh, like everybody else, you're probably going to make New Year's lies. I'm sorry, New Year's resolutions. Um, right? You're going you're gonna to list out some things that you're going to want to see happen in, uh, in 2018 and uh, whatever that might be. But here at Canvas Church, um, I believe God wants to do uh, something amazing, unique, and supernatural in your life and in our church in 2018. I really believe that. I, as I've been praying and preparing uh, for this new year and preparing for our church and all the things that God has in store for us, he just kept speaking to me. Um, it's going to be an incredible year. It's going to be an amazing year, a unique year. Uh, but there's something that we need to do, uh, that we need to prepare our hearts and we need to prepare ourselves to, to get involved with that amazing thing that God's going to do uh, this year. And so in order to experience what God is doing uh, and go where he is taking us, we need to cross over into a new dimension with him. We need to cross over into a new dimension with him. And so I want to talk to you about that this morning, about crossing over into a new dimension with God and, and really, uh, really laying hold of the things that he wants to do and going the places he wants us to go. And in Mark chapter 4, it's uh, one of my favorite passages in all of the Bible. It's spoken to me so much over the years in my personal journey um, as he asked the disciples to begin to cross over. Let's read it. Mark chapter 4, I'm going to start in verse 33. And it says, he, and that's Jesus, speak the word to them with many parables. He would speak the word to them. Who is the them? The them in this context, it's the crowds. It's, the, it's, it's all of the people that would come to, to listen and, and to hear what Jesus was talking about. What's a parable? A parable is just simply a, a story that holds a truth within it that goes to prove, uh, wants to prove a point, okay? And uh, just a simple definition of a parable. So Jesus then would have these stories. He would tell the crowds to try to get a message across to them, to try to convey some truth. It's much like uh, on a Sunday morning how we preach a message and, and we take scripture, but we might have some stories that have some truth to it to begin to get a, a point across. And so Jesus would look at the crowds and he would speak to them with parables like these and as they were able to understand that, verse 34, and he did not speak to them without a parable. Privately, however, he would explain everything to his own disciples. I love that part. I love that part that with his disciples, his, his already followers, uh, the ones that were already Christians, or those already Christ followers, those, those ones that were with him, uh, maybe they didn't catch everything in the crowd setting. 
Maybe they didn't get to the bottom of the point or the truth. And so privately, when he was with his disciples, he would then begin to explain things more accurately to them. And I want to encourage you, next week is not only a week where we start prayer and fasting um, on, on the 7th, on, on January 7th, which, by the way, if you want to learn more about fasting, maybe you're just hearing about that and you're like, what is prayer and fasting? Uh, we have a link on our website. If you go to the uh, How to Connect section and then click on Events, you'll see the 21 days of prayer and fasting. If you open that up, there is a whole thing on prayer and fasting, what it is, why we do it. But there's also an outline that you can begin to follow if you've never done prayer and fasting before. I would encourage you to get involved, dive in, and do that. And there's an outline right there, things that we're going to be praying for together as a community. But in addition to that, um, next week, uh, we are... Um, we are launching our small groups. Come on, somebody. And I just want to make this one plug for small groups on this, on this portion of this passage because notice now that in the crowds, he would talk to them in parables, and he would speak to them. But when he drew away privately uh, with his disciples, he would begin to break that down and explain all things to them. You know that, that we're kind of like the crowd on a Sunday morning, and we have a great message planned and worship planned, but I understand that there's some things that you just need to walk out and you need to flesh out that you need some more context to, and you need to be able to grab some truths out of. I want to encourage you that if you've never joined a small group at Canvas Church, that this be that year. 2018 be the year that you jump into a small group, because I believe just like Jesus would begin to do this with his disciples, come on, that small group. And here's the cool thing about our small groups, is it's not one person leading a bunch of people. Our small groups is set up in such a way that we have somebody there to facilitate it, but everybody jumps in, everybody asks questions, everybody on their journey begins to go deeper. And so if you have not yet become a part of a small group, this is a great time to do that. Verse 35, and on that day, when evening had come, he told them, let's cross over to the other side of the sea. Let's, let's cross over, disciples. And in that moment where he was sitting around with them, explaining all things to them and, and beginning to take the truths that he would share with the crowd, I believe he noticed something in them. And he said, you know what, we need to go on a journey. And so he looks at them and, and he says, let's cross over uh, to the other side of the sea. And so they left the crowd. They left the crowd and took him along since he was already in the boat. And other boats were with him. Fierce storm arose and the waves were, were breaking over the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern of the boat sleeping on a cushion. The nerve of the Son of God. So they woke him up. And they said to him, teacher, don't you care that we are going to die? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, silence, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Then he said to them, why are you fearful? Do you still have no faith? Why, why are you fearful? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified. They were perplexed. They looked at him in wonder and asked one another, who is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. Chapter 5, verse 1. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the region of the Gerasenes. 
as soon, now listen to this now, as soon as he got out of the boat, a man with an unclean spirit came out of the tombs. No one was able to restrain him anymore, even with chains, because he often been bound with shackles and chains, but had snapped off the chains and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. And always night and day, he was crying out, out among the tombs and in, in the mountains and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from a distance, immediately, remember, he had just arrived. And when they saw Jesus from a distance, he ran, fell down before him, and cried out with a loud voice, What do you have to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? And the story would go on now that Jesus would deliver this man from these demonic spirits. And as he delivered him from the demonic spirits, the Bible would say that he would be found clothed and in his right mind. So much so was he set free from that place of bondage. Now, now he wants to begin to get in the boat and go with Jesus, but Jesus says, now you need to stay here and spread the message. And no sooner do they get done casting the demons out of this man that they get back in the boat and they go immediately back to the other side, which tells me this, that there was something in this journey for the disciples to discover. It wasn't so much about the destination as much as it was about the process that would take place within the disciples, that they would go from asking, who is this, to discovering from a demoniac, Jesus, son of the most high God. Who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that your word is amazing. And God, I pray that in the next few moments that you would take the contents of this incredible story and you would bring them to life within this community this morning. And we would walk out of here having encountered you, knowing your love, and understanding the incredible plan that you have for us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Jesus does something I find interesting in this passage. Jesus is sitting with his disciples, and the Bible says that he would often do this. He, he would teach the crowds, and then when he got away with his disciples, he would then begin to explain the truths a little deeper. But in sitting there explaining the truths, I believe as I read the text that Jesus saw something in his disciples, and he says, guys, we're going on a trip. I want you to get in the boat, we're going to cross over, and we're going to go to the other side. Little did they know, it wasn't about what they would necessarily encounter on the other side. It wasn't about that, that getting to that destination, it was about what would take place in the journey that was the whole point of the story. Jesus needed to do something with them in this moment to get them out of a, a certain mindset, to get them from one place to, to another. And so he says, Let, let's cross over. We're going to go on a trip. There's something so, so powerful about taking a trip. My wife and I, we, we just celebrated 20 years of marriage uh, a couple months ago, and we want to do something extravagant, so we went to Italy. And I was, uh, just this last Friday night, I went to a basketball game with a friend, and uh, on our way back, somehow we started talking, and, 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 and my friend goes, you know what, it was so awesome when you came back from that trip. And I'm like, why? He goes, you guys were like a couple of high schoolers that had just fell in love. And we saw you up on stage, and it was just like, it was just so cool to see what had happened. I'll tell you what happened. What happened was, is after 20 years of marriage, believe it or not, you can try, you can begin to treat your spouse a little common. This is what we do. We, we get up, we make lunch for the kids, and, and we say goodbye, we go to work, we pick them up, we come home, and we get into a, a rut, if you will. We get into a routine, and now this relationship is a little bit calm, and what happens is, is we went on a trip. And in the course of going on a trip, we got out of our normal environment, San Diego, which by the way, come on, we live in the greatest city in the whole entire world. But you know what? I didn't realize how great it was until I went on the trip. I go on the trip, and I come back, and I'm like, thank God for San Diego. 
Because you know what? We begin to treat people, we begin to treat our spouse, we begin to treat our surroundings as common. And it's not until we get removed from that that all of a sudden we discover something unique and something special and something spectacular. And so I believe Jesus was looking at his disciples and realized something as he looked at them and said, you know what we need to do? We need to go on a trip. Does anybody here like to travel? Who, who doesn't like to travel? Anybody that doesn't like to travel? Okay, most people. And here's the thing. It's not really the traveling part that's that much fun. It's when you get to the destination, right? Because I'll be honest with you, there was nothing glamorous about our flight to Italy and our flight back. Matter of fact, it was pretty brutal. But there was something about getting to the place. It was like, oh, man, this is amazing. Because honestly, traveling itself isn't all that spectacular. I remember when I first had the chance to fly. Anybody, has anybody never flown before? You've never been on an airplane? Everybody in here has flown. I remember, and I was, I was a little older, and it was my first opportunity, and I'm, I'm a little bit scared. I'm a little bit hesitant. I've never been on a plane before. Planes, it, when you overthink it, kind of freak me out a little bit. It is a missile with wings. Come on, somebody. Right? Like, I'm just thinking to myself, like, and still, this is the thing that gets me. If I get in a plane and start overthinking it, like, how in the world is this thing in the air? I literally start to hyperventilate. I'm like, <laughs> Right? And so I remember my first time going to fly, I'm a little bit scared, and somebody looks at me, tries to call me down, said, Ben, don't worry about it. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm going to get in a missile with wings? They're like, it's okay. Just, just know this. You're twice as likely to die in a car accident as you are in a plane wreck. And I thought to myself, great, I have to take a car to get to the airport. Right? And so now I have like three chances to die that day. Right? Like twice in a car and once on a plane. I'm like, that does not help me at all. And so now I don't even want to take the car to get to the plane that I don't want to take, right? And sure enough, I get in the car, of course, got to get to the airport, get to the airport. And this is my first time flying. And honestly, if you've never flown, now some of us, it's just become common, right? We just fly. But if you've never flown before, security check can kind of freak you out a little bit. It's like, wait a second, like, like why are they doing all of this, right? Well, because there's people that might want to kill you. Great, I really want to fly, Right? you got to go through this whole security check and, and whatnot, and you get this security check. Now, i got to be honest with you, though. The thing that probably freaks me out the most, all right, is the safety things they do when you're sitting on the plane. Because as they're sharing that, I'm thinking to myself the whole time, like, I had twice as many chances to die in a car, and I didn't get any of this before I took off, Right? They're going through all of the safety checks, and they're talking about the seatbelt, and they're talking about the little pamphlet in front that you can read, and, and then they talk about in the event of a water landing. Now, if you're already scared of flying, there is nothing more freaky than hearing somebody say that, right? We're in a plane, not in a boat. There better not be a water landing, right? But just in case there is, we've provided you with life vests. Here's the thing. I've checked. They're not there. And they, they, they demonstrate how to put it on, right? Like you pull it out, you put the little yellow thing on, you click it together, and then you just pull on the red tab. But if the red tab happens not to work, help me Jesus, right? I remember one time I was flying from Las Vegas, Nevada to Albuquerque, New Mexico. I was flying from one desert to another desert, and they were like, in the event of a water landing, and I'm like, What? Like, are we flying around the world to get there? Like, we're flying from desert to desert. And so I'm freaking out, and I'm thinking, we're flying from, I'm, we're going to find water somehow? And it, it's okay, there's a life vest. Okay, but if it doesn't work, we've provided a little red tube for you to blow into. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm already probably dead at this point from a heart attack. Come on, somebody. But if I'm not dead, there is no way I'm going to get enough air to blow into that thing. I'm hyperventilating. <laughs> right? 
I'm tapping my wife, hey, blow it up, please, blow it up, right? But you know, I'm like, are you kidding me? But then people try to make you feel better. They're like, hey, hey Ben, you have nothing to worry about. And I'm like, yeah, I know, because I have twice as many. No, 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 not that. You have nothing to worry about, because here's the reality. When it's your time to go, it's your time to go. But I'm like, what if it's the pilot's time to go? Hello? Doesn't make me feel, is anybody with me this morning? Doesn't make me feel any better. As like, could you imagine, plane goes down, you're up in heaven standing in the long line because there were a lot of people on the plane, and you're standing in line, and all of a sudden God looks over and goes, Ben, what are you doing here? And I was like, well, it's the pilot's time to go, right? What do you do? Here's the great thing about traveling, is it takes you out of what is common and ordinary, and it takes you into something that you've never experienced before. It takes you into something uncommon and extraordinary. I believe that in this text that as Jesus was sitting around explaining all things to him as he normally would, he saw something in the disciples that said, you know what, I need to take him out. This has become too common to them. This has become too ordinary to them, and I've got to take them to a place that they've never been before. I believe that God wants to take us to a place we've never been before as a church. I believe God wants to open up our hearts and open up our minds. Listen to me, we're gonna cross over, you know, from 2017 to 2018, but God wants to do so much more than that. We're not just gonna cross over as a church from one year into a new year. I believe God wants us to cross over in one dimension to a new dimension, begin to experience him in a whole new way. And I believe we're gonna see that take place in 2018 for this church. But in this text, I see several things that we need to understand about crossing over. Crossing over. And the first thing I see is this, as I look at this journey with the disciples, and that is this, is that, that oftentimes things are not taught, they're caught. Things are not taught, they're caught. Jesus was sitting there with them, explaining like he normally would, teaching them like he normally would, but realized that they weren't quite grasping it. They weren't quite getting it. And so now he needs to begin to take them on this journey, and he needs to begin to go from teacher, and he needs to stop teaching them. He needs to begin to, to demonstrate to them. And he needs to show them something because he understood something. Some things are caught and not taught. Something. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 4.20 that the kingdom of God is not just in word, but it is in power. It is in experience. It is not just me showing up on a Sunday and having someone, you know, begin to dissect Scripture to me and beginning to, to learn and beginning to get knowledge. No, no, it's not just in talk. It's not just in speech. The kingdom of God is in an experience, and it is in a powerful experience. And here Jesus just got done teaching them, but he says, no, 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 there's another place I want to take you, and I can't teach it to you. i got to demonstrate it to you. And we need to understand something as believers. That we can't always learn things this way. Some things are caught and they're not taught. It's not about the teaching. It's not about getting more knowledge. Matter of fact, the Bible would tell us in 1 Corinthians 8, I believe it's in verse 1, that, that, that knowledge begins to puff up. It begins to fill us with pride. That just pure knowledge of Scripture and pure knowledge of, of Jesus isn't enough. It's not just about knowledge. Look, Listen, all of the teaching, all of the small groups, all of what we do on a Sunday morning has an end goal. The end goal is to get you into the presence of God. The end goal is to get you where you, man, are walking in a deeper relationship with him. If all it is is knowledge, then we just get puffed up. We get arrogant, the Bible says. We get filled with pride. Listen, the knowledge, the learning, the small groups, these moments, they've got to get us to the place where it is a 
about Jesus. It's about a relationship with him. It's about being deeper. In, are you with me this morning? Matter of fact, there's, there's so many times when I get a little concerned, and I've had this over the years. I've been in ministry for some time now, where people will come up, and they might say this, like, hey, pastor, like, you know, when are we going to go deeper? Or, or, you know what, you know, the messages are, aren't, just aren't, aren't connecting with me. So I want to I I learn more, and I want to go deeper. And yet I would look around that Sunday and be like, well, three people gave the heart to Jesus Christ. Five others responded for prayer because the presence of God touched them. What, what, what's, the, what's the goal? Is the goal, goal more knowledge or is the goal more presence? I'm when I sit down and communicate with my wife, it's not just to get, it's not, listen, uh, 20 years of marriage and some of you have been married longer than that. There's just times where you can finish each other's sentences. You, you, matter of fact, you can just look and be like, well, I know what she's thinking. She's thinking, man, I'm married to one hot man. Which is totally true, by the way. Um, listen, the goal of us communicating with one another. You know, you know the, the Bible talks in, in Scripture about intimacy. And it means, it's talking about sexual intimacy. But it says things like Adam knew his wife Eve. And then a child was born. The whole goal of exchanging isn't for knowledge. It's for more intimacy greater intimacy, greater connection. The whole goal of church isn't, it's, it's for greater intimacy with him. And Is somebody with me this morning? Next to me. And also concerns when people say these things, and I look and there's no fruit, fruit on their life. If, if, if your goal really was, I just want to go deeper and I want to learn more, if that really was the goal, then there would be fruit on your life. And you would see it. Matter of fact, oftentimes I'll ask people when they come and say that to me, I'll say, well, let me ask you a question. They're like, yeah. So what small group are you a part of? Well, I don't go to small group. Why? Well, I just, I don't know, I haven't found one that fits me. Well, have you tried one? Well, no, because I looked at the list, and I just didn't like what I saw. But you just said you wanted to go deeper, and you wanted to learn more. Small group. Matter of fact, the majority of the time when someone says that to me, and I ask them, they're, they're not a part of a small group. Another question I'll, I often ask them is, hey, well, what tools, what, what, what study tools do you have at home? Like, what do you mean? I'm like, I mean, you said you wanted to go deeper, and you want to learn more about Scripture. What, what study tools do you have at home? Why? Well, I just, I don't have time. Well, but I thought you just said you wanted to go deeper. Somebody with me this morning? You know, actually, the Bible breaks it down, and, and I, I want to share this with you. Um, because, you know, we, we, we want to grow. But we all, one of my jobs, I, I'm going to be only held accountable for this church. And so you need to hear my heart on this. Because, you know, the Bible makes it very clear that it, 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 those that still need to be fed, which is okay, are the infants. But a, the sign of maturity and growth is that I don't need someone to feed me anymore. But come on, just like you make a meal at home, everybody likes to go out to a restaurant every now and then, right? This is the restaurant. Come on, somebody. Come on. But you've got to learn to feed yourself at home. That's the sign of growth. That's the sign of maturity. Is somebody with me this morning? Matter of fact, I want to caution you. When you hear people say stuff, because oftentimes it doesn't come directly to me. If you hear somebody say, yeah, Pastor Ben, you know, his message is okay, but I just want to go deeper. Can I caution you? That conversation never leads to a good place. That conversation 100% of the time will pull you away from the truth and pull you away from community. 
Good point, Pastor. Some things, hear me now, some things are caught, not taught. I believe that God's taken us to a place in 2018 where we're going to catch something being in the presence of God. The second thing I see in crossing over is we need to stop limiting God. We need to stop limiting God. One of the greatest ways we limit God is we view him through our experiences rather than through his word. I haven't experienced God that way, so I don't believe he can do that in my life. He hasn't done that for me, so I'm not sure that he can do that at all. And we limit God based on the way we've interacted with him or based on our own experiences rather than on this book. But I want you to know something. The Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if we believe that, then we got to believe if he did it in here, he can do it for me today. He's not limited by my experiences. He's not limited by the way I've, I've seen him so far. No, no, no. He's only limited, ladies and gentlemen, by his word. And here in this passage, I see that the disciples limited him. The Bible says that in the moment when the waves are crashing in and, and the water's coming in, that, that, that they go and they find Jesus, mind you, sleeping. And they go and they begin to wake him up. Listen to what they say. Teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? Teacher, teacher, teacher. Now listen, they had seen many miracles. They had experienced many things. But for some reason, and maybe this is what Jesus saw as he was sitting around teaching them. For some reason, they saw him as teacher. A term of endearment, yes, rabbi, teacher. But the same term used of every other teacher of that day. In this moment. He was nothing but teacher to them. Teacher, don't you care that we are perishing? They limited him based. Are you with me this morning? Too often times we do that. We limit God. We come from a, maybe a different, a different church upbringing and background. We could be in church for a really long time, but now we're here at Canvas, and well, at my last church, it wasn't like that. My last church, maybe they didn't believe in supernatural healing. Well, I mean, I see it in Scripture. He says he's the same yesterday and forever. Uh, the Bible says believers lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. 1 Corinthians 12 says uh, uh, the gifts of the, one of the gifts of the Spirit is the working of miracles, so I believe that miracles can happen today, right? But, well, I haven't seen that happen, Pastor. It's okay. You're going to. You're going to. You're going to see it this year. Miracles, signs and wonders. But yet too often times, we need to stop limiting God. In 2018, we need to open up our heart and open up our minds and open up our spirits and saying, God, I believe that with you all things are possible. God, I'm not going to limit you based on what happened in 2007. I'm not going to limit you based on what I've experienced in my life. Now I'm going to get more into the word to discover that you are a miracle-working God, and I'm going to stop limiting you. Stop limiting you. But here's the thing, is that we don't necessarily go from, ah, oh, he's the God of the universe, to, ah, oh, he's just common. It's a downward trend. It's not like it just happens overnight, right? It's not like you're just like, hey, God, I love you, you're awesome, you're the God of the universe. The next day you're like, yeah. You know what happens? Here's how it happens. Here's how, here's how things digress. Because there are things that God ordains as holy, as set apart. 
uh, things like marriage. God calls it holy. The world begins to treat it common. The church begins to treat it common. Sex, meant for marriage. Inside the covenant of marriage, the world begins to treat it as, the church begins to treat it as common. And now the things that he declares as holy have now become common. Authority, spiritual or otherwise. God ordains it. It's very clear in scripture, whether it's natural governmental authority or spiritual authority within the church. It's very clear in scripture that God ordains it. He sets it up. He establishes it. All of a sudden what begins to happen is we begin to treat it as common, no honor. Here's what happens. We begin to take that which God has called holy, we begin to treat it common, and eventually the trail leads back to him. To where he's just teacher. Just teacher. Teacher. Listen to this, listen to this verse. Romans 1, 21. And it says, they knew him as God, but did not honor him as God. That honor is a huge thing. That's why the Bible talks about children honoring their parents. Right? Honoring one another in Christ. Honor's huge. This is what happens, though. They knew him as God, but they did not honor him as God. What happened was this. People knew God perfectly well, but when they didn't treat him like God, refusing to worship him, they trivialized themselves into silliness and confusion so that there was neither sense nor direction left in their lives. Isn't that powerful? We need to stop limiting God. And one of the ways we limit God is not only by, 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 by looking at him through our own experiences. One of the ways we limit God is by we stop, stop honoring that which he calls holy. We get back to that place of honoring that which he calls holy. We will no longer limit God. Number three, you getting something out of this this morning? We going deep enough? Number three, let Jesus lead. Let Jesus lead. Let Jesus lead. This honestly is probably one of the bigger problems within this text is because Jesus is in the back of the boat asleep. But Jesus was never meant to be in the back of the boat. I don't know if you know this, but boat in scripture is actually a typology of church. When it talks about the ark, it's talking about the church. It's talking about boats. Jesus is in the back asleep. And the problem is this, is if you go back in the text, here's the problem. They're getting ready to, Jesus says, hey, I want you to cross over. They're like, sweet, we're going. And then the Bible literally says this, oh, Jesus is in the boat, might as well take him too. We'll just go, he's here, cool, we'll take him. Jesus was not meant to be brought along in the journey. Jesus was meant to be the leader of your life. He is the way, the truth, the life. No one gets to the Father except through him. Here's the problem in the scripture is Jesus in the back asleep on a cushion. And when they go to find him, listen, they wake him up. They're not looking for some supernatural help. Matter of fact, they are so blown away when he, when he calms the wind of this. They're blown away. They're like, what? And then he goes and casts out demons. They're like, what? They don't, they don't understand. They just wanted another hand to help bell water out. Right? And how, how many times do we do that? 
in our life or even in church today, that we have our programs and we have our, our systems and we have male worship and we have this going and oh yeah, Jesus. And sometimes the only time we wake up Jesus is if we're in a pinch. Oh man, things, I don't know if we can get out of this one. Guys, we've been belling water for a while, but it's coming in. We better get Jesus. Hey Jesus, teacher, could you give me some lessons to help me out? We need to let Jesus lead. Listen, when Jesus came along and started this whole revolution, he went to people and he said, hey, come, follow me. You can't follow somebody that you've placed in the back of the boat. We got to let him lead. We got to let him be the leader of our life. We see this when we pray all the time, right? When we pray, we have an idea of what we want the outcome to be. Right, but what if we just came to Jesus when we're in a pinch and we said, Jesus, look, I know you're the, the Lord of my life. I know you're seated at the right hand of God the Father. I know that everything is inside of your control and your hands because you're the one that told me to cross over in the first place. And so, you know, Jesus, um, here's the deal. Um, here's what's going on in my life. I don't know how this is gonna turn out, but I trust you. And so I'm just gonna cast all my cares upon you because you care for me, huh? But too often times, here's what happens. It's like, Jesus, this is what's going on. I see the way out. If this happened, then that would be really cool. So if you could do that then, and God's looking at it like, that's all you want? What if we just let Jesus lead? What if we just came to him open-handed and said, here's what I'm going through. I know you already know it, but God, I need you. However that looks in the end, Jesus, thank you. Jesus, thank you. And too often times, though, because it doesn't turn out the way we prayed it out, Come on, are you with me this morning? Am I the only one that's done that? I'm not really praying a prayer to God. I'm telling God the way I want it to be. Right? And then it doesn't turn out that way and we get disappointed. What if we just let Jesus lead? Lastly, uh, go ahead and have the, the, the band come up. Lastly, number four, um, probably my favorite point out of the whole thing, you need to lighten up. You need to lighten up. You need to lighten up. I mean, look at, the, look, at, look at the drama kings, queens, whatever you want to call them in this story. Jesus! Don't you care? We're going to die! But you know what? That's, that's the way a lot of us are on this spiritual journey. It's like one little thing happens. We're like, ah, oh, it's over! I'm never going to make it! Do you not remember who's in control? Do you not remember who looked at you and said, hey guys, let's cross over? Do you not remember who invited you into this wonderful, miraculous, supernatural relationship and journey? It was Jesus. The problem is, is we got him in the back of the boat, we forget he's there. But if we get him back where he belongs, leading and paving the way, our eyes are on him, Looking unto him, the author and finisher of our faith. But the reason we're freaking out is because he's in the back. We need to lighten up. One of, one of, one of our core values here at Canvas Church is fun. Fun. And we have a little tag after it. We want to enjoy the journey. Because too often we get so stuck on the destination. Oh, let's enjoy the journey. Let's lighten up. 
Let's look at our problems and say, you know what? That's not outside of God's control. He can, he can do that. How do I know? Because I see in Scripture. He's the same yesterday and forever. Listen, I'm not trying to belittle what you're walking through. I'm not trying to make light of what you're walking through. All I'm saying is we begin to change our perspective and we begin to lighten up a little bit. Man, we can have grace and just flow through whatever that pain and circumstance is, knowing that no matter what the outcome is, he's still in control. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? Paul wrote about it. He wrote about it time and time again. What's the worst that could happen? My life gets taken. Oh, no, I'm with him in heaven. And what if we just lightened up? What if we just lightened up and enjoyed the journey? What if, what if we lightened up with other people and extended grace? What if we just did that? What if we just lightened up? Someone's walking through something. Oh, my gosh. What if we lightened up? They're like, you know what? Because the reality is if you lightened up, you could be honest with them and say, yeah, I've been there too. I've been there. What if we lightened up and gave each other permission to fail? Right? And extended grace. What if we lightened up, right? And just allowed the church not to be perfect? What if we extended grace not only to others within the, what if we extended grace to our small group, to our small group leader? What if we did it to our leaders and our pastor? What if we just lightened up? Just enjoyed the journey. I mean, because here's the deal. Man, some people are so serious. Some people get, are so serious, they get offended over Is anybody getting anything out of this, or am I just talking to myself? Because I've already preached this to myself all week, and so I've been convicted, I've repented, I'm good, I think. But honestly, we, we, we take things so serious that we get offended at people. It's like, lighten up. Like, you've never made a mistake. And see, and we take it so serious that all of a sudden we begin to leave our small group or leave our community. And it's like, wait a second. Like, is this the same community that you found your spouse in and got married? Is this the same, the same community that you have a bunch of, what, what, like, what's going on? Lighten up. Lighten up. Enjoy the journey. Have fun. Lighten up. Now, for those of you that are still too serious, you're like, give me a scripture. Okay, I will. I see some people like, that's not a valid point. Let's see, that's a scripture. All right, well, I'll give you one. For those of you that were thinking that, you're going to make this your motto for 2018. Ecclesiastes 8, verse 15. I love it. So I recommend having fun. I could have just read that one verse today, said amen. We could have left. We could have already headed over to the party. <laughs> 